In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The just man is a light in darkness to the upright. God sends us to help others. Sometimes the help that God promises others will come in the form of us. Uh, This is evident in the gospel as well. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Not because of what you've created, not because of anything for which you can take credit, but because of what God has imparted to you. And that actually is such a, a, a noble and important task that at a certain point, sometimes someone may be completely disqualified from that if salt loses its taste with what can it be seasoned. It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. God obviously preaches mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation. Everything can be forgiven unless you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and reject the goodness of God. God does not want to destroy souls. He wants all souls to be saved. But there are some who can no longer be salt of the earth. They can no longer be his representatives before others. So God choosing to send us to help others carries with it a... uh, um, great burden of responsibility. And God knows that he's sending people who are imperfect. Um, People who need to be sanctified, people who hopefully are in the process of being sanctified, um, but the imperfect. Whom does he want to send? He wants to send the just man, the person who is given over to God, the person who is, uh, well, this person's described in the responsorial psalm. The one who is gracious and merciful and just, who is gracious and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice, who's not moved, who shall be remembered forever because he doesn't fear evil reports. His heart is firm. He trusts in God. His heart is steadfast. He's, he does not fear And lavishly, he gives to the poor. The one whose justice shall endure forever. The one whose horn shall be exalted in glory. The last act, the last last attribute, characteristic of this just man is that he gives lavishly to the poor. And then if you remember the first reading from Isaiah, I'll remind it, I'll reread it to you at the end of the homily. Uh, We're left with, fact that if, even if this weren't Bishop's Lenten Appeal weekend, I'd be talking about generosity and giving, because it's, uh, it's the message. And even though the gospel isn't about it per se, the gospel is about us representing God and being his gift to the world, and gift in the English sense, not gift in German. In German, gift means poison. In English, gift is a good thing. Well, 
sometimes pastors do surprising things, sometimes not. It's not surprising that once a year I'll preach on the Bishop's Lenten Appeal. Uh, it is surprising that occasionally I smoke a 28-pound alligator. What is also surprising is that in yesterday's Wall Street Journal, I found something that was useful for the homily. Uh, if you get the journal, you know what I'm talking about. So the headline, the Mormon church amassed $100 billion, the best kept secret in the investment world. Uh, I'm not envious. Uh, I'm fascinated. Uh, there's one particular detail that's worth pointing out. Um, so this was a, a, a fund. Uh, it was relatively small 30, 40 years ago. Now it's $100 billion. That's double the size of Harvard. Uh, and this isn't just total conjecture. Uh, There was a a report sent to the IRS about a possible IRS violation. There probably isn't. That's not what's interesting. Um, But that prompted the journal to send reporters to go talk to former employees who, despite their lifelong confidentiality agreement, uh, spilled some beans, not many, but some, enough that the journal was able to conclude that, yes, in fact, uh, this fund seems to have over $100 billion. Um, double the endowment of Harvard University, at least as large as uh, the world's largest tech investment fund. This is the detail that's fascinating. Annual donations from church members of the Mormon church more than cover the church's budget. The surplus goes to the investment fund. So now members of the Mormon church know that they are required to give 10% of their income to their church. That more than covers the operating expenses of the Mormon church. And the surplus has resulted in an investment fund, obviously with its own accrued earnings over the years, that now is more than $100 million in value. 10% is the the figure, is the standard that you hear me mention probably several times a year. I'll mention it at the Bishop's Lenten Appeal. I'll mention it in the fall or early winter when I give the annual financial report and ask you to increase your giving to the parish. 10% is the biblical standard. From the Old Testament, to give away 10% is... Uh, non-discriminatory, doesn't discriminate against the, the rich or the poor, because it's, the, it's, the, it's simply a percentage. When we know right off the bat 10% of X is going to be used for someone else, we don't even have to feel like it's, like it's ours, or we don't have to miss it, because we already know it's going to be given away. 10% doesn't even discriminate against the mathematically challenged. It's easy. You just move a decimal point, which is brilliant, especially because I'm pretty sure 4,000 years ago there wasn't even a decimal system, and, they, and, and the standard was already the, the, the easiest to figure out. Uh, absolutely prophetic. 10% is um, something that we should expect of ourselves, and we should encourage siblings, friends, uh, those with whom we are engaged in our you know, religious pursuits, obligations, or uh, people from whom we seek advice, we should um, encourage people in, in the same way that, yeah, you should, you should be in the state of grace. You should 
uh, yeah, you, sh- you, you know, go to confession once in a while. Um, yeah, and if it comes up, hey, what should I do about this? It, it should be a familiar concept, um, even if we're still striving towards that and gradually getting there. Knowing full well that your pastor, or n- neither your pastor nor your bishop is expecting you to give 10% uh, directly to this one parish or to this one diocese. But if 10% is our standard and we divide up the pie, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident. I haven't run the numbers. I haven't even tried to run numbers like this, but I'm, I'm just simply a priori confident. If every parishioner had in their mind a commitment, 10% of annual income is going to go to charity. I'm pretty sure if everyone's that deliberate, I'm willing to bet that the parish is going to get 1%. And I'm willing to bet that totally covers all of our operating expenses. I'm pretty sure of that. I, I could double check and it may come up short, but I don't, think it, I don't think it would come up short. I think if we were that deliberate, 10%, I'm sure the diocese would get 1%. And whether it be to whatever the bishop wants to spend his money on or, or specific things. Because there's got to be at least one thing or two things that really... Uh, appeal to us or, or have totally impressed us, have never disappointed us, have never lost their flavor. Two nights ago at the Catholic Charities Ball, the diocese announced for the first time that there will be a second free clinic opened by the diocese. There's one in Manassas that's been open for a while. It used to be an abortion clinic. Now it's a free clinic run by the diocese, which is pretty beautiful. Now there will be one in Woodbridge uh, that will open this spring. We're still trying to grow parishes, build parishes. There need to be a few more out in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, and uh, there are schools that um, probably need to be established. There's many men that need to be trained in the seminary. Fortunately, we have 49 in the seminary right now. Five are in the hopper for being ordained in June. But we probably have five pastors retiring this year. Fortunately, there's looks like there's another five to be ordained priests next year, and maybe even ten or more the year after that. Uh, as you can imagine, seminary is expensive. Coffee is cheap, but donuts are expensive. So seminary is, uh, uh, is the biggest chunk of the Bishop's Lenten appeal. In your bulletin is the, is the not the Wall Street Journal. In your bulletin is the flyer for the Bishop's Lenten Appeal. Uh, and, it, and it lays out big categories. Uh, familiar, but, but, but always, uh, always worth a look. The numbers are, um, are always growing, right? Ne- the needs of every family grow from year to year. Uh, especially one where there's you know, more children uh, and also one where people are still moving in, which is uh, the case. The Bishop's Latin Appeal is also a reminder, not in any large way and not in a way that surprised me, but there's a, a few people I've come to know about over the years, not people who work for the diocese, but people who give to the diocese, whom I know uh, have no relationship with the church or with God and very clearly have in mind that these big gifts are going to make up for all the other bad things that they do. Uh, and obviously, that has nothing to do with 
being salt of the earth, light of the world, um, representing God, your 10% even mattering, right? Uh, if we give 10% away as a bribe, then, uh, or as a quid pro quo for being virtuous, uh, there's nothing gained. Isaiah makes that very clear. So for us, for people who, who believe in Christ and who are trying to worship him, not just with our lips, but with our lives, uh, this 10% goes hand in hand with growing in virtue, uh, growing in purity, growing in knowledge of God, growing in, in, in love of God, growing in our personal prayer life, growing in our ability to, to um, be a source of grace for those near us, um, growing in honesty and justice. So this goes hand in hand with just the ongoing effort trying to practice our faith. Prophet Isaiah puts it this way. Share your bread with the hungry. Shelter the oppressed and the homeless. Clothe the naked when you see them. Do not turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech, if you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.